We've spent a lot of time on the show lately talking about the tight end position, primarily because this is a really good tight end class, and the Green Bay Packers desperately need one, but their receiver room is also incredibly thin. And even if they're able to get Corey Davis in an Aaron Rodgers trade or as a result of an Aaron Rodgers trade because the Jets have to cut him to get some salary cap relief, the Packers still need an infusion of talent in that room. But much like our conversation yesterday at the defensive line, there are scant options in this draft. So what do they do? Are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. We really do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Flotsam. Your team. Bob. Every day. Touchdown. You're locked on Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for the Leap. A newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. Thanks to everyone who makes Locked on Packers their first listen every day. We hope you like starting your day with us as much as we like starting our day with you. We often, over the last few years, have spent numerous shows talking about the receiver position. Presumably, um, the Packers had more interest than they um, actioned. I don't know if that's real words good, but they seem to have wanted to take more swings at receiver than they actually did. They made it very clear in 2020 they really wanted to take a receiver it just didn't work out for them. We don't have to go back and relitigate all of that. They have Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Samori Toure, Bo Melton in that room. That's it. You need more than that. Even if you really love Christian Watson, and I do, even if you think Romeo Dobbs can get so much better, even if you think just the first half of the season, that was a pretty solid player make uh, incremental improvements from there and you've got a player who can be a really nice complimentary receiver for you i do think the packers are prioritizing tight end in this draft but one of the reasons why i'm bringing this up especially after doing the tight end show and we're actually going to put this all together based on a really great question that I got last week about combinations of players. I wanted to talk about the receivers first and then go back, circle back, because I've rethought about some of this stuff and I want to reframe it. The Packers have types at receiver. We know this. You have to be six feet tall, at least. Randall Cobb was the outlier. Brian Gutekind said as much. Amari Rodgers was not a receiver. They did not draft him as a receiver. They drafted him as something else, a weapon, a, a, a gadget player. You, They really want you to be 200 pounds, but 195, 190, for really going to push it, 195, got to be. Three cone is important. Sub seven, if possible. 7.1, if we're really going to fudge it, but sub seven, if possible. And they have liked mega productive players. If you go back, 
a lot of their guys, even in the middle to late rounds, have had multiple thousand yard seasons. Guys like Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, Romeo Dobbs. Production is important to the Packers, I think. Now, Christian Watson, unique case because of the offense. But if you played in an offense that slung it, that we are going to open this up and play SEC or Big 12 football, whatever it is, I think productivity matters to the Packers. So, with that understanding, and 457, you have to have the requisite speed. This is one of those positions, though, where they're not relative athletic score adherence. They are not going to just be didactic about that. So, that opens it up, right? No. The Athletic released their new consensus board. And remember, this is taking um, boards from across the internet. This is not just like Dane Brugler plus Robert Mays plus whatever. It's not, that's not how they do that. It is from across the internet. There are only 13 receivers in the top 100. There have been years where there have been 20, 25 receivers in these these, uh, consensus boards ahead of the draft. Remember 2020, they set a record for receivers taken in the top 50 picks. This is not that class. Of the 13 receivers in the top 100, three, three of them, check the boxes, the Packers have traditionally liked. Now, again, I don't I don't pretend to know for sure all of the the exact cutoffs, but we have a lot of data now. And and guys like Brian Gutekinds have been pretty transparent that they have these molds. Again, we don't know exactly what they are, but we have an idea. Three players. In the top 100 who fit the bill, Jackson Smith, the Jigba. Rishi Rice, who was just in for a top 30 visit, by the way, and A.T. Perry from Wake Forest. Different kinds of players. Jackson Smith, the Jigba, is um, a middle-of-the-field guy, slot mostly, can create after the catch, can be your third-down bucket getter, all that good stuff. If the Packers want Jackson Smith the Jigba, and I am very, very much Jackson Smith the Jigba, no matter what, go get that guy. And here is why. This is exactly why. There's, there's so few other options of any sort of caliber that if you're going to take a receiver in this class, you might as well take the only really, really, really good one. And not even just the only really, really, really good one. The only really good one. Maybe... Maybe the only good one. And don't do it because he's the only good one. He's really, really good. And happens to be the only good one. So I think I think his price is being under-marketed right now in terms of what, what the, the betting lines are for where he's going to get drafted. I think there's a chance he can go higher simply because there's just not that many options. People do not love the receivers in this class, but... It doesn't seem like the NFL is in love with Jackson Smith and the Jigba either, which is part of the conversation here. Now, A.T. Perry, someone who I think tested a lot better than I expected at 6'3", 198, ran in the 4'4s. I didn't see that on tape. I mean, he has a 9.8 plus RAS. He 
tested like an elite athlete. I don't know if I saw that on tape, but it is interesting. He is a size speed monster. And both Rice and Perry profile physically much more like someone like Alan Lazard. Now, uh, Rice is not nearly as big, not 6'5". In fact, he's he's a shade under 6'1". But he's 204 pounds. I think he probably played more like 210, 215. And he wins. You want the, the DeAndre Hopkins experience. Wins very similarly. Now, not very similar players in terms of quality, but contested catches, sidelines, he's physical. And it's not that's not like he doesn't create separation. He can and does. Really nice body control. Rice is someone that we're going to talk about a little bit later um, in relation to, again, this question that I want to answer. So that's your three. Now, Jonathan Mingo has been getting a lot of heat lately. A lot of heat. And one of the reasons is exactly what we're talking about. It is a barren wasteland at receiver, especially if you don't like smalls. Josh Downs, Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison, and these guys are Lilliputian. It is, they are too small and way too small for the Packers. Now, maybe, and this is interesting, my pal Jacob Westendorf brought this up to me. What if getting a tight end in the first, you get one of these big MFers, makes you go, eh, be nice to have a slot guy. And you you snag Josh Downs at 42. I'd be for it. I love Josh Downs, one of my favorite guys in this draft, period. I don't think he can be a Packer. Jonathan Mingo has the athletic profile you look for. He has the um, role in that he he played last year in the Ole Miss offense, the role almost to a T. He would probably play for the Packers. So it would be an easy projection. He did not produce really at all. Didn't even get to 800 yards last year. And I think 40% of that was in two games against um, our Sisters of Perpetual Sorrow, not against real college football teams. So I'm a little dubious of that. Like he's one of those guys that I like and in this market is getting pushed way up because he is 6'2", 220 and can run. I don't, I don't know if the skill level is quite where I want it. But now you can see why the Packers with someone like Jalen Hyatt, who does not hit all the marks, not only is he 176, but really just one year of big time college football production. Now he was the Bolitnikoff winner, so that helps. That's real production. But I get it. I get it. Personally, I think in, in the 40s where the Packers are picking, Jalen Hyatt makes a ton of sense. But I understand the Packers looking around at this class going, I'm supposed to believe in Marvin, Marvin Mims, who's 5'10 and a half. I'm supposed to like, um, you know, some of these, like someone like um, Elijah Higgins. No production at Stanford. He's big enough, but no production. None of the Stanford guys have any production. Cedric Tillman is who is a guy that I really like. He had a horrible three cone. And the Packers seem to value three cone at the receiver position. A 7'3 plus three cone. He drives straight like a Cadillac. He's fast, but also corners like a Cadillac. It's not ideal. And some of these other guys like Tank Dell, Tyler Scott, like they're just too small. They're just too small. So this creates 
Questions for the Packers. How do you attack the receiver position? If you're not going to get Jackson Smith to Jigba, much like with the defensive line, that, that leaves you Jalen Hyatt in the 40s, Rishi Rice and A.T. Perry in the 70s. And then it's a lot of dice rolls. It's like, okay, do you like someone like the Princeton kid, Andre Isivas, who is like a carbon copy of Jeff Janis in a lot of ways? Small school kid. Someone like Ronnie Bell on day three from Michigan, who's, who's so fast. And then guys like Dontavian Wicks, he checks the boxes, but they're talking about a guy who's probably going to go round four, round five. Grant DeBose from Charlotte. Like, come on. These, these guys are, are not going to get anyone's pilot lit started. So it's, it's kind of tough. How do the Packers balance all of this? And how do they pair these guys with tight ends? This was a great question that we, we talked about last week. I went back and thought about it. I wrote about it today for The Leap. And I want to I want to talk it through again here on the show. Before we get there, today's episode brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Baseball's back, baby. Grand slams, no hitters, double plays. And there's no better place to get down on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. Place your first bet and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. If you don't win, they're basically insuring your first bet, a sports book, insuring your bet. This is unheard of. So don't miss your chance at a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. And thanks for making Locked On Packers your first listen every day. We appreciate you. We hope you like starting your day with us as much as we like starting our day with you. So I got this great question about pairings, tight ends, and receivers. And the more I thought about it, the more that I didn't love the answers that I gave on Friday, kind of off the cuff. I mean, I thought about it ahead of time, but I said, okay, I want to I sit down and go through this and, and write this piece, which I did, giving a little bit of a way, but, you know, go subscribe to The Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. And I think one of the things that I didn't take into account last week that I, that I want to do this time is think about this from um, an asset allocation standpoint. Don't let your eyes glaze over. We're not going to talk about your stock portfolio. We're talking about, okay, if you're going to take a tight end in round one or a receiver in round one, does it actually make the most sense to then turn around and get another pass catcher in round two, especially someone who presumably will occupy a similar space on the field because the only round one receiver that makes any sense is Jackson Smith Najiba, and he is a slot receiver. And so, okay, if you want someone to attack the middle of the field, go get one. But do you really need two? Now, I would say, sure, yes. But then how, how, do you, how do you justify the amount that you're spending on that first round pick if you're going to come in and, and draft someone who you want to play? Tight end. They need someone to play there who's going to win in a lot of the same ways you are. So I came up with the idea, like if you're going to get Jackson's been the Jigba to play 
in the slot. I believe I said Darnell Washington is the perfect pairing for him because he's going to spend a lot of time blocking. That is true. The problem with that, and I think that is a fine way to go, right? A fine way to go. But let's say uh, you think that, okay, I don't, I don't need to feed Darnell Washington targets if I have Jackson Smith the Jigba. And so maybe in the 40s, I can go a different direction. I can get that pass rusher. Anadike Uzoma from Kansas State, my guy, was at the Packers facility yesterday um, for a top 30 visit. They are looking hard at these early second round pass rushers. I really think they are looking at pass rushers there. I think they want, like, they want to take one of these guys. So if you get that receiver, if Jackson Smith the Jigba falls to them at 15, or you have to move up for one, but let's just say he falls to 15. Now, to maximize that investment, to me, what I want to do is I want to find a tight end who is just going to fit in. Because I found my middle of the field monster. I'm going to, I'm going to get JSN 120 targets a year in the middle of the field, and he's going to just eat for me. And then my tight end, please block. Please catch the ball when we run those play-action slide routes. Please catch the ball when we throw you Y-leak. Please catch the ball when we drop these hard play-action plays in the low red zone for you. Just catch the touchdown. That's going to be wide open. That's all schemed up. Just please don't get in the way. Do your job. Tucker Craft, South Dakota State. To me, that's the perfect pair because you've invested at the top in your middle of the field pass catcher. And then you found a complimentary piece at a reduced price. Now, again, I think you can make the argument that it makes sense for the Packers, given their current roster construction, to say, it's okay to invest highly in both places, assuming there is a complementary skill set there. So I do think someone like JSN and a Darnell Washington makes sense. I think it makes a lot less sense to do it with someone like Sam Laporta, Sam Laporta, who's going to play a ton in the slot, for example, or Luke Musgrave, who's going to play a ton in the slot. That just doesn't make sense to me. And so that's why I think because Darnell Washington is really the only guy I thought, okay, let's let's try and break this up. And then you get your pass rusher at 42. If you have the 42nd pick, maybe you can get a tackle at 45. Maybe you can get a safety that you like. Maybe Brian Branch falls to 45. Don't love him. Relative athletic score stinks. But at 45, it makes a lot more sense than at 15. So what about Michael Mayer on the first? You get that true wide tight end. Now, he, he's about 50-50 snaps uh, in line and split out. So it's not like he's never going to play split out. I had the most trouble here trying to find the perfect pairing for him because Notre Dame used him everywhere. He had the third most deep yards among tight ends last year. He can stretch the field vertically, even though he's not crazy fast. I put this comp out on Twitter that he reminds me a lot of Todd Heap the former Baltimore Ravens tight end. They have almost identical athletic profiles. They win in almost identical ways. Both very good blockers, but not dominant. Both very good pass catchers, but not dominant. Todd Heap went to multiple Pro Bowls. Was a really good player for a really long time. Um, And I think Michael Mayer can do the same thing. So how do you pair someone with him? Well, ideally you'd like a run after catch guy. 
The guy doesn't really exist in this draft. Unless someone like Quentin Johnson falls to 45, which, hey, go nuts, that'd be great. So I was deciding between two players here. Cedric Tillman, who does win vertically and is definitely going to play on the outside. And Rishi Rice. And I went back and forth. And because Tillman isn't quite a Packers type. And because... Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson can also win vertically. I thought, why not get another bucket getter? Michael Mayer can be a bucket getter for you on third down. Maybe not as a rookie, but eventually it's third and six. He wins a matchup from the slot or in line on a linebacker. He sits down on his own. Rishi Rice can do that too. And now one-on-one on the outside against a cornerback, he posts that guy up on third and six. It's a slant, big body, physical, much like DeAndre Hopkins does. Again, he's not DeAndre Hopkins, but the the ways that they can win are similar. Given the skill sets of Dobbs and Watson, I think that makes a lot of sense. All right, so what if you get that move tight end? Don Kincaid, that true F. He's going to play a ton in the slot. Easily the most natural receiver, dynamic receiver of this tight end group. And had he tested and had he had... He had you know, how do you, let's say he had the same testing as um, Michael Mayer. I think he's a top 15 pick. He's He would be my pick at 15. I think he's just that good that he, he could be Mark Andrews for you. You could funnel 100 plus targets a year through him in your offense, but he's not giving you a ton of blocking. That's where you could get someone like Jonathan Mingo to slot in. He can play in the backfield. He can play H. He can play F. If you're going to put Dalton Kincaid out wide, he can play in the backfield. He can play everywhere and he's going to block. He's going to do all the little things for your offense. Now, I added an addendum that you, you'd you add Hunter Lepke from North Dakota State as a fullback. You know, on day, late day three, fifth, sixth, seventh round, you get a guy like that who can play all over your formation, who can block. And it's just toys for Matt LaFleur, toys for Jordan Love. Hey, here's, here's a guy who can take a dump off and turn six yards into 16. Here's a guy who can win vertically down the field. There, there's a lot of, of interesting ways these guys can be deployed. This is kind of my favorite one, honestly, even if I'd, I'm not a huge Jonathan Mingo guy, you'd probably have to take him in the forties and I don't love that. But if you're going to get Kincaid, like I'm kind of fine with it. The way that I think it makes the most sense to go back to back with these two is if they're both in the second round. So let's say Paris Johnson Jr. falls to them at 15 or Miles Murphy or someone that they just can't pass up at 15, a position player. Hey, Anthony Richardson, who knows? Then in the second round, if you get 42 in this Aaron Rodgers deal, you can go Darnell Washington, Jalen Hyatt. The blocker who's going to maul people in the run game, attack the middle of the field, and then you've got the speedster. I think Jalen Hyatt is going to be predominantly the sort of speed slot guy. There's a, a lot of crossers, a lot of deep overs, but he can play on the outside in two receiver sets. It's just going to be hard for teams to press him because he will run by you. If you if you punch and miss on press, he's it's a touchdown. He's dunking on you. And so, yes, he's small, but Darnell Washington is almost so big that he makes up for it because it's like, okay, you're an 11 personnel and Darnell Washington is out there and you've got him in the slot on one side and Jalen Hyde on the slot on the other. It's like, okay, as a safety, where do my eyes go? The biggest guy on the field or the fastest guy on the field? And Hyatt's not even the fastest guy on the field because Christian Watson is next to him or opposite him 
with Darnell Washington. I mean, that there are so many interesting, fun options, ways you can pair these guys together that I think this was, I was really excited to go back and look at it for this exact reason. All right, more to come here on the Locked on Packers podcast. Um, we appreciate all of you and, and your attention in draft season. Um, we are waiting just as, just as with bated breath about this Aaron Rodgers stuff as you are. Um, we had a report the other day from Albert Breer that second round pick this year, first round pick in the future with conditions is what they're haggling over. Do the Packers send something back or not? And it just seems like if they agree on this year's comp, like, okay, in 2023, it's a second. Then I just feel like this deal gets done. because. Why would you, if you're the Packers, give up the chance to pick at 42 or 43, whatever, but you you want to get 42 over protections next year. You want this pick now. Now, I hold fast, get that 2024 first and get it with as few protections on it as possible. You can get a guaranteed first and have to send back a three. Fine, do it. But... It seems like if they agree on what's going to happen now, if they agree on what the 2023 comp is and or if the right guy is not there at 13 for them, maybe they just offer that. That's still in play. Just say, hey, let's not let's not worry about this. Just take 13 and we'll call it good. And if I'm the Packers, I'm going, okay, fine. Now, maybe they want that 2024 first. Maybe they don't. Maybe they don't want. 13. Maybe they'd rather have the 2024 first because Aaron Rodgers could be bad. And then you're a year further. You, you know for sure what you have in Jordan Love. And then you can use that pick if Aaron Rodgers is bad. I don't know. I don't know why they would do that, but they might. I would. I think I would just take 13. Especially if a guy I liked was there. But this is not the, this is not the draft to have 13 and 15. Because there's a clear talent drop off after the first like six guys. Now, how many quarterbacks go? Do, do, do 10 quarterbacks go? Or excuse me, do four quarterbacks go in the top 10? 10 quarterbacks. Imagine if 10 quarterbacks went. Then you push down, you know, and then Will Anderson and Jalen Carter go and Christian Gonzalez and Pete Skoronsky. Plus four quarterbacks and B. John Robinson. Now all of a sudden you have the opportunity. Devin Witherspoon goes. Paris Johnson goes. Now you could get Broderick Jones. You could get Jackson Smith to Jigba. You could leave with both those guys. You could leave with Jackson Smith to Jigba and Dalton Kincaid. Or, um, like, imagine if you could leave with Jackson Smith, the Jigba, and Michael Mayer. You have your Y blocker and your your bang on slot. Now, I wonder if JSN is there, if the Jets just say, we'll take him. I think I probably would if I were them. But they desperately need offensive line help. So, interesting. Interesting. All right, we're going to be back tomorrow. So much more from Locked on Packers. Uh, follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to come hang out with us live, like when an Aaron Rodgers trade happens, or we're going to be live Thursday night after round one. We're going to be live Friday night after round two. We are not going to be live on Saturday after the conclusion of the draft, but we will be going on Sunday, um, I, I will probably we'll probably have a show out Sunday early. We'll see. 
We'll see what the schedule is going to look like. Definitely live Thursday night after round one. Definitely live Friday night after round two. Keep it locked on this channel. Uh, <laughs> keep your eyes on this channel um, for more. What is it? Keep your eyes on this space. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. Uh, so you can stay locked on Packers. Thank you.